seriously on Cinemaholics. What if there is a way we could go out in a different time? How could we go outside in another decade? That would require a, a time machine. Whoa. That's new Coke. It really is the 80s. Wait a minute. Greed isn't good? I don't care what you say, Will Ashton. Jessica Roth should have been cast as Captain Marvel. Hey, John, I thought you died back there. There's bullies here. John, the pizza's getting cold, so for God's sakes, just give me a slice. Will, I, I can't believe you actually killed that man in cold blood. You know what? New Coke actually tastes kind of fun. Well, can we go home now? At least until I gather the parts I need to build a new time machine. I think we got, we're in business now, buddy. But can you imagine if it took us to the 70s when Scooby-Doo came out? Here goes nothing. <sighs> All right, Will, look around. Do the time machine work? Are we back in 2020? I don't know, John. That carpet kind of looks shaggy. And all of a sudden, I feel a little high. Will, put down that blunt someone just handed to you out of nowhere. It's filled with drugs. But John, I don't think I can just say no. I don't think we're in the 80s anymore. What? Will, you're scaring me again. John, I think we're in 1976. Great. Now we're even farther away from our safe, comfortable lives being stuck inside during a pandemic. John, quit losing your cool. We just need a little help repairing the time machine. But, well, look around. We're in the aftermath of the Nixon administration. Where are we going to find people who want to help us with anything? Hey, look at those two fresh princes playing basketball all the way out here in Harlem. All right, let's go talk to them. Hey, you cool cats and kittens. I'm Will, and this is my best bud, Johnny. And I don't mean the joint. <laughs> hey, man, what can we help you with? Yeah, I'm here, too. Well, fellas, uh, we got a real mystery to solve here. See, our time machine's broken, and we haven't been able to see a movie for two months. Far out. You're telling me. Well, as luck would have it, Matt and I aren't just a couple of globe-trotting basketball-playing Jetsons. We're also total math wizards when it comes to time machines. But there is a catch. All right, hit us with it. We lost our basketball and accidentally threw it into that haunted house. So, Links, that's like totally in a scary place, man. John, John, it's fine. We can search the haunted house while discussing a new movie. That way, instead of thinking about this how scary this house is, we'll be distracting ourselves with an in-depth review of Scoob, featuring the voice talents of Will Forte, Gina Rodriguez, Zac Efron, and so on. Jinkies, Will. That sounds like a cool idea, man. Welcome once again to Cinemaholics, a special distraction episode. I'm John Negroni. I'm the box office columnist for Adam Tickets, head writer of Cinemaholics.com, 
and I occasionally solve mysteries by writing books. The mystery is, how much money can I make? He is a pop culture writer for Cinema Blend, and he also reviews films for Cinemaholics.com. It's Will Ashton. Hello, hello. Uh, Will, you know, we're talking about a movie called Scoob, right? Yeah. And the tagline of Scoob is, Mystery Loves Company. And Will, I have to agree, because we have not one, but two meddling kids joining us on the airwaves. Will Ashton, please do the honors of introducing the Ogre Crew. Yeah, I mean, I'd be honored to do the honors. Yeah, joining us for this week's episode is my, are my two co-hosts from A Ogre to Ogre, Matt Serafini. Hello. And Chris Sheridan. Hello. Welcome, guys. It's great to have you on to talk about Scoop. It's great to be here. Can you explain why are you particularly qualified to talk about this Scooby-Doo movie? Chris, you want to take this one? Yeah, I mean, we spent, you know, the last four months talking about Scooby-Doo movies, um, and so this is a natural progression. How? Why? (laughs) Well, you see, John. Oh, go ahead, Chris. (laughs) I can't can't answer the second one. Ah, fair. Uh, (laughs) Why is uh, truly, truly the why of all whys. Um, But yeah, go ahead, Matt. Well, you see, John, on our podcast, It Ain't Ogre Till It's Ogre. I've heard of it. We spent we spend every year talking about a different movie. And this year, the movie that we've picked is 2002's Scooby-Doo. Wait, but where are you? That's a great question. <laughs> I was talking to Will Ashen. He's been quiet oh, as a yeah. church mouse. <laughs> I don't want to interrupt. Um, yeah, so what's the question? Where are you? Where am I? Well, psychologically or physically? I was going to say psychedelically because you seem a little out oh, of it, yeah. Will Ashen. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little, uh, little high, I guess. Hi on this new movie called Scoob, which is a computer animated mystery comedy from Warner Animation Group. And it's, of course, based on the classic Scooby-Doo cartoon, which has been a thing for like 50 years now, right? The uh, I think we were talking about this earlier. First episode was uh, late 60s. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there have been a few Scooby-Doo movies, as you've alluded to. There have been two live action films. And we have this new one, which is uh, decisively animated. I want to say real quick, I really like uh, a couple of the animated films that went like straight to TV, like straight to Cartoon Network, like yeah, the yeah, Zombie yeah. Island one. That, that's a classic. Oh, it's so good. To the point where I was like, man, if you were just going to do like a, an animated Scooby-Doo movie, I'd love to see just like something in that wheelhouse. But that's just me. I am with you on that. No, I agree. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we're talking though about a movie that's just called Scoob. Uh, it's it's abbreviated, and let's let's walk through this one. So Warner Brothers uh, has been kind of you know dancing around with making this movie for a while. I think Dax Shepard was originally supposed to be co-director a few years ago, uh, but now yeah. this this new film is directed by Tony Cervoni, who uh, you probably know about him and Spike Brandt. They are kind of uh, you know mainstays in animation. These guys have been like you know uh, I think t- both of them or at least Tony was the animation director of Space Jam. Um, they've done things like Animaniacs, Tom and Jerry, lots of Scooby-Doo stuff, um, some Flintstone stuff too. And I think, uh, Spike Brand actually, who usually, who works a lot with Tony, I should say, uh, he, I think he's working on the new Space Jam movie, uh, new legacy. So, uh, very talented guys who've been animating and screenwriting for a long time. I believe this is one of the first, like, you know, big movies we've seen, uh, Tony direct. But uh, yeah, Will Ashen, what what is Scoob? What is this movie about? Uh, yeah, so it's technically a reboot, I guess, because they 
modernize it for a younger audience, but we see basically the origin story of both Scooby and Shaggy's friendship and the early days of the mystery gang in this current iteration. And uh, yeah, so basically we're just reintroduced to the gang. We get to see them from a younger perspective and we see from a uh, primarily Scooby Shaggy perspective, this gang of uh, Justice League-esque superheroes led by Blue Falcon who involve uh, our canine and his coat, his friend, uh, into their latest superheroics. So that's kind of the broad strokes yeah. plot. Of They're the trying to build like a Hanna Barbera sort of universe, right? So let's talk about this movie in pieces. HBCU. I want to start with uh, the prequel stuff, which is probably about like the first twelve to fifteen minutes of the film. Uh, Matt yeah. Serafini. What what did you think of this prequel? How do you how do you think they handled like modernizing it as when they're like kids and introducing them? What, what was your takeaway? Um, I, I thought it was fine. Um, I I don't really get why Sh- Shaggy was listening to Ira Glass. Yeah, I thought that was good. But, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there there is one thing you uh, should not be to listening to Cinema Holics. Right. I'm exactly. I'm more concerned that that Shaggy. He had separate apps for each decade of music on his phone. <laughs> That's yeah. true. He's psychopath. <laughs> He's like, I use Apple Music for my 70s stuff and Spotify for everything else. <laughs> um, but uh, no. Yeah, like the car- uh, was, I don't know what the word I'm thinking. Sorry. Go ahead. Pandora? Oh, you're fine. No, uh, compartmentalized, I think is where it was. Oh, compartmentalized? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> um. But like they they do a fine job of introducing Shaggy. They clearly took some notes from the pup named Scooby Doo designs to make everybody look real cute and young. Um, but uh, you know they they Shaggy meets a pup named Scooby Doo that he names, uh, and there's a really aggressive cop who you know doesn't believe that there should be a dog that steals a giant cylinder of meat. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> I was uh, it, it it bugged me. I wanted to point out it really bugged me that the cop in pursuit called it gyro instead of euro. Yeah, that was a. Yeah, little... I called them gyros. Well, see, that's why you know he's a cop, Chris. There's <laughs> <laughs> a funny foreshadowing too, to because uh, it's called Alexander's euros, and then like Alexander the Great ends up being like an element of the movie. So like yep. this movie has like weird foreshadowing set up for that is because because if you pay attention to the backgrounds, like there's lots of lots of Easter eggs to oh, Hanna so Barbera stuff. Like it's hard to keep up. It, well, actually, in particular, there's one that kind of rubs me the wrong way at the top of the movie. Um, when Shaggy is first introduced, he's in front of a place called Casey's Creations or something like that, which is a reference to Casey Kasem, who is the original voice of Shaggy. Um, and it's worth noting that Casey Kasem was a vegetarian and briefly quit playing Shaggy until Warner Brothers agree or Hanna-Barbera agreed to make um, Shaggy a vegetarian as well. And so for a while, Shaggy was a vegetarian. The issue I have is that the restaurant Casey's Creations that we see is clearly selling drumsticks and bacon and plenty of meat, um, which seems almost disrespectful. Yeah, it is. It's a big slap in the face. <laughs> there, yeah. There's a reason um, the... Uh, a, a certain type of snack is treated as uh it's it, there's no meat in that as far as i know mm-hmm. in any case um we meet the gang uh trick-or-treating for halloween and they all inspect a haunted house together or a haunted looking house and 
find they sort of it's less of a classic mystery more of they attack the homeowner who's dressed as a ghost <laughs> right and then find out that he's been stealing things right there's no like <laughs> there's no traditional formula where it's like the, no. the person is someone we've met it's just sort of a person who's like lightly alluded to i guess and not even so yeah it's kind of strange but he's not even terrorizing anybody he's just yeah. he's no like in the house Wait. He's playing dress up in his house. He's doing a thing. And uh, yeah, his his strategy for crime makes no sense. Yeah. It's pretty convenient that he, he was uh, a criminal because otherwise it would be pretty. Yeah, that's uh, what I mean. Like, <laughs> what if he's just some guy, you know, he's he's doing his thing during the quarantine, yeah. you know, entertaining himself. Well, I mean, it is it is Halloween. So it's not like totally out of the question that he would just be dressed up as a ghost, like probably yeah. sco uh, spook some kids and stuff. It just so happened. That he had a criminal enterprise. So, yeah. It's just, and then Fred yeah. throws a, a bladed weapon at him. And yeah. uh, I mean, he falls from a height. You know, he could have injured himself. There's insurance paperwork to go through because this is modern day. I was going to say, like, th this movie has such an easy screenwriting layup because they could have easily tied that character to the big villain of the movie or something to, like, sure. you know, unite these two sections of the movie and, like, actually. I don't know, do something creative. I don't know. Yeah, that's an idea. Uh, <laughs> but instead, our villain is Dick Dastardly from Wacky Races. <laughs> Which I'm actually okay with. Like, I, I, I I'm okay I, with the... Yeah. My biggest issue with this movie, I think, is that I, I feel it feels like the third movie in a series. Like, it feels like there should have been yeah. first a Scooby-Doo movie and then a Blue Falcon movie, and then this is their Avengers, you know? Like... It's it's Warner Brothers. Just they are desperate for a cinematic universe, and they will get it any way they can. Yeah, they they seem to not have learned their lesson from uh, from the DC films. In fact, this one like breaks even more like rules that they probably should have learned already. But uh, what, what about you, Chris Sheridan? Uh, what, what did you think of the early section of Scoob, and then as it kind of transitions into a new kind of movie? So I I, I have an interesting take on this movie where i think that the animation is beautiful i think that the a lot of the jokes are really funny but the the latter half of the movie is so busy with characters and plot that it kind of loses itself and it kind of loses the spirit of scooby-doo yeah I, I said that in my review that um this movie doesn't frequently get the soul of scooby-doo right like there uh, yeah. are like little moments when you're kind of like yeah that's the scooby-doo i remember that's cool but then so many other uh things just seem to like Kind of like the slap in the face you were talking about, uh, Matt, but like broad, like scaled even further. I was going to say, too, um, you mentioned Casey Kasem, but I think uh, the officer is named Casey, too. Oh, wow. So, yeah. And uh, he's voiced by the screenwriter, um, who we didn't mention, um, Adam uh, Sitzkill. And uh, so let me let me let me hear what you guys think. These are the other films uh, with screenplays by Adam Skeetzel. So we have Maid of Honor, uh, Due Date undateable the tv series mm. uh, here's a good one alvin and the chipmunks the road chip oh that's the third one right there's five of them yeah there's five yeah oh diary God. of a wimpy kid the long haul although he's oh, wait uncredited. is there five or, no actually there might be four I'm, i think i misspoke because there's four yeah yeah because there's this is after the boat one road chip yeah yeah, it's the one, the only one without David Cross, where he was like, "I'm, I'm not doing this yeah. anymore." I think, I think, I think you're right. It's like the fourth one. Yeah, so it's nice expensive. But John Waters is a fair trade-off for David Cross. Yeah, I, I really wish. I, I still, I, I, I am fascinated by that cameo. That's a whole other tangent. But and the, yeah, yeah. 
but yeah, back to Scoob. Um, Will Ashton, you, you haven't really had a chance to to dive in yet. Uh, I, I'm going to say real quick, I think the prequel stuff is kind of cool, but I agree with Matt. should have been its own movie. I think because yeah, I, I love... Yeah, give me a Scooby-Doo movie. Yeah, I love <laughs> yeah. Pup Named Scooby-Doo. That's a great formula. Yeah, so you want me to talk about the prequel stuff or just my thoughts on the film in general? Um, yeah, so I, I definitely agree and echo a lot of what Matt said in that it does feel like kind of like the Batman v Superman problem where it feels like... Uh, even more so than that, where it just feels like, yeah, like they were really eager to just start this Hanna-Barbera Hanna cinematic universe to the point where, yeah, like Chris was saying, it's very busy, very chaotic. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I feel like I, I think the prequel stuff was what I was most endeared by. And I kind of wish they did like a mini version of it with like the, the Scooby gang. Like, I'd be totally down for that, like them as kids, like finding, you know, solving their first mystery. I think that could have been fun if they expanded upon that. Yeah, like I want to say real quick, if they of all of the Hanna Barbera characters they threw in here, the only one that would have genuinely made me like giddy is Red Herring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I I didn't really hate the prequel stuff, but it just felt kind of serviceable at best for me, and never really felt the film got better beyond that. Um, yeah, for me, the whole film had this whole like Steve Buscemi, how do you do, fellow kids vibe to it, where. <laughs> Um, it, it felt like it was intentionally trying to modernize uh, some or uh, Scooby-Doo to the point where uh, it, it didn't really feel genuine to me. It, it felt fairly dishonest and it felt like it was trying to be five things at once. Way um, too many dated jokes, too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Especially given that it's trying to be fairly modernized or contemporary. Um, I did like I did enjoy doing the police chase when um the the cop and Scooby launch each other and uh, Scooby does that on the cop's back. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that was where I was kind of sold on the movie spirit. The uh, sound effects. They did a yeah. good job with the cartoony sound effects. The sound effects and the, the movement of the characters, like mm -hmm. how um, when Shaggy uh, hits the wall at one point, his his legs and arms are all those uh, 90 degree angles where he's, you know, splat against the wall. Mm -hmm. um, like I think they really kind of. The, the animation and the sound effects really signaled an understanding of the cadence of the cartoons. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had nothing against the, the animation. I thought the sound effects were good, but I felt like they're fairly small potatoes compared to yeah. what my issues were with the film, which is just generally I found it to be uh, a fairly lacking film in more ways than one. And that like for all my problems with 2002 Scooby-Doo, I felt like at least that was more often than not a Scooby-Doo movie. Agreed. And this just felt like, an animated family movie from 2020 that just happened to have Scooby-Doo characters and really not that much of them. Like we really only spend time with Shaggy and Scooby and Velma, Daphne and Fred are just kind of sidelined mm -hmm. oddly Shat. throughout <laughs> throughout the grand majority of the film in a way that felt very just peculiar to me. Um, I also yeah. felt like they uh, like wiped away what makes those characters so unique. Like Velma isn't smart at the expense of the others. She's like the, the thing that works about mystery Inc is that they all look at the problem in a different way. Yeah. And when you just take away three of them looking at the problem for most of the movie, it really just kind of robs them off all of their potential. Yeah. And which is weird because the movie actually calls out what each of their strengths are. Yeah. <laughs> and then they just don't use that. Yeah. Yeah. And then that leads to my biggest problem is that there's no mystery in yeah. this mystery movie. That's the biggest problem. The I mystery right. is just like a couple, where are the MacGuffins and then yeah. how do we like and make they solve the, it halfway through? <laughs> yeah. How do we make the fairy tale supernatural thing do what we want it to do? Like that's mm -hmm. not Scooby-Doo. 
Nope. Which is weird because I saw like the tagline before I watched the movie. It was like, this is their biggest mystery yet. And it's like, <laughs> well, what mystery? <laughs> the mystery of where the plot went? <laughs> what are you talking about? And like if you're going to bring in all like a bunch of other Hanna-Barbera characters, why not bring in the other mystery solving Hanna-Barbera characters? (laughs) They chose like, well, because I think, yeah, they want to do the Marvel thing with like, here's our superhero movie TBD. Um, And and, and even then, I when Blue Falcon gets introduced and he's voiced by Mark Wahlberg of all people and doing a Ryan Reynolds impression. Yeah, he sounds just like (laughs) Ryan Reynolds. It's weird. Uh, But then like when they're doing all that stuff, I'm like, is I kept wondering if they were setting up the uh, the the side character they had because they were setting up dynamite with like ken jong as like those two having like some tension mm-hmm. and then kiersey clemens plays this like assistant who's way better at all of this stuff and i was like oh are they setting up like she's going to become the blue falcon that'd be kind of cool like sure. you know, they realize that he's terrible at this and like so get rid of him but no the movie doesn't do that of course like she just continues to be like the sidekick who doesn't get her to do well i i feel like if they know one thing about Zoomers and young kids today, it's that they love 1968 one season anime <laughs> sitcom Wacky Races. <laughs> well, Ashton, you could be a producer. <laughs> um, what did you guys think of the animation? We kind of touched on it. I thought, like, I've heard some like, oh, decently animated. I thought the background characters in this were terribly animated. Like, I there agree. are so many times where I'm just like, clearly they they rushed something here because it's not up to snuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. The, the primary animation is great, but the background stuff is is not as good. And I have a I rented on Amazon and um, the the Amazon rental is in 4K Ultra HD. Um, and I watched it on my 4K TV and, and, and some of the some of the background stuff really stands out. But some of the foreground stuff that they actually focused on um, is, is really, really good. Yeah, it's, it's, it it's seems classic Warner to me um, that like. The, the main stuff is really good and like kinetic and, and works well, but the background stuff just feels completely half-baked. Some, some of the background characters look barely rendered, honestly. Yeah. Although I will say like one of my, one of the, the moment where I probably laugh the hardest is after their, the, the flight in the ship or whatever, and Shaggy and Scooby have their cheeks blown out. You know what yes. I mean? Yeah. And <laughs> Scooby-Doo has a full mouth of human teeth. oh yeah so that's another thing like scooby-doo actually like he talks a lot in this like way more than he does in previous scooby-doo things and people like understand him it really felt to me like the producers were like make him more understandable which is like totally missing the point of scooby-doo talking (laughs) yeah he's voiced but he's voiced by frank welker who's been doing the voice of scooby-doo for a couple decades now frank welker originally did fred um he's done like legions of cartoon voices you've probably heard but yeah I, yeah i was confused about that because i was like isn't that kind of the sort of the secret ingredient to scooby-doo is like he's a goofball character it seems like nobody gets him but he still solves the mystery i don't know yep, yep. um and speaking of frank welker fun fact there are only four actors who have played the character of fred um frank fred frank welker of course is the most common one and then course you got freddie prince jr and zach efron now yeah. and then there's the the kid from pup named scooby-doo those are the only four actors who have played fred what about <laughs> young fred in this pierce gagnon oh i guess i guess that's one more sorry my bad <laughs> young goof matt i goof 
That is interesting. They did get like a pretty significant voice cast for this movie. Like, yeah, I, and then didn't do I thought it was quite a flex. Yeah, you're gonna get Amanda Seyfried. You're gonna not only have Gina Rodriguez be Velma, you're gonna rewrite Velma to be Latinx. Yeah. And you're not really going to do anything with that. <laughs> like you're just going to colorize the character and then let her speak Spanish once or twice. Disrespectful. I thought that was pretty cheap. Yeah. I didn't really like how any of the, the mystery B team um, were written or performed. Same. Like Fred just has like a love affair with the van, which is kind of new, which I guess that's kind of interesting. Gives some Fred a little bit more substance, but I don't know, something deeper than that maybe would have been nice. Was, like, yeah, know, their personalities just felt kind of disingenuous with what we know and love about the team. Yeah, exactly. Like I Although said, I did I did think that um because it, it was Zach Efron that did Fred, right? Yeah. Yeah. His his delivery of the you have to pay for Netflix line was fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, there's Netflix jokes, Tinder jokes, and it, the, my main criticism is that like you have all this modernizing stuff, but it doesn't mesh with the Hanna Barbera cartoons. Like I just exactly think, like their fashion, their clothes, their roles. Like the whole conceit of Scooby Doo just doesn't seem to match the Illumination kind of vibe they're trying to create. It's like so Illumination, <laughs> like a Tinder joke in the same movie as Captain Caveman should not be. That's yes, my opinion. Exactly. They, they, I, in my opinion, they should have fully committed one way or the other. Um, for example, the TV series Mystery Inc. from a couple years back, mm -hmm. that just straight up commits to 70s styles. It's set in the modern day, but everyone in the town wears like 70s style outfits and it won't. Yeah, because it's going like it's fun. Yeah, it's going like full tilt on that concept. Like we've seen shows like that like sex education has like a pretty obvious throwback they go to but they still like yeah people still use smartphones even though it's like vaguely set in the past mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. i agree with you there i also think that uh, uh one, one of the main one of the main uh hanna-barbera characters right is blue falcon and dynamite that's where i think the modern stuff kind of fit and it actually gelled with that character and his arc so i'm yeah, curious do sure. you, would you guys have liked a blue falcon movie like would that have been interesting or would no one have seen it unless it was tied to scooby-doo in some way i i didn't think blue falcon was very interesting at all yeah I agree. I agree and actually someone pointed out that the way that the plot of this movie works out if this had just been a blue falcon movie where like he he's the one who or dynamite's the one who's like the chosen dog the movie doesn't really change at all just the, you just don't bring in scooby-doo so it, it really does feel like they we're bringing in Scooby-Doo to keep Blue Falcon interesting. <laughs> yeah. Do you think sense. maybe that this script was written, um, was, was kind of structured and written first, and then and Mystery Inc. was brought in after, like in a, in a second revision? I would, but when this movie was first announced years ago, yeah, this was the plot that was rumored. Yeah, like yeah. it was It was always, it's a team up of the Hanna-Barbera movies with, Di okay. with Blue Falcon playing a large role. So, I don't know. Yeah, so originally this movie was going to be Scoob, but it's like S-C-O-O-B. Mm -hmm. Like was, S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> yeah, and so it was going to be about Scooby-Doo and the whole gang working for like a S.H.I.E.L.D. type of organization. And then the idea, yeah, has always been like we're going to bring in all the Hanna-Barbera characters. And I think they just streamlined it. And this yeah. is the streamlined Studio Notes version, um, which is kind of sad. Yeah. I'm liking this movie less the more we talk about it. Well, let's talk about some good things then. So, Chris, you said that you liked some of the jokes in here. You thought they were really funny. Um, 
we're we're gonna spoil some of the jokes then. So if you're already sort of resigned to watch Scoob uh, and you don't want to be spoiled on the jokes, you probably want to stop listening at this point. You kind of have a, an idea of what we think. But uh, yeah, Chris, what were some of the jokes that worked for you? I like the Netflix joke. I thought that was um, one of the rare like modern jokes that kind of worked. And I, I, I did say I didn't really like the characters in the movie, but I did kind of like how they characterized Fred as being not exactly the most intelligent of the crew. You know, there's a uh, they were talking about I think Velma said something about like the something something 73 um, meters. And um, Fred's like, I don't know what that means because, you know, he's he's used to, you know, yeah, um, yeah. miles and feet and stuff like. So I thought I thought that was kind of funny. And I think a lot of that kind of rested on Zac Efron's delivery. I think if a left a less gifted comedic person was doing those lines, it, it wouldn't work as well. But I, I actually really think Zach Efron is a pretty gifted comedic voice. And the way he delivered those lines, I think, was really effective. Those uh, <laughs> I said a lot of the jokes landed, but now I'm, I'm struggling to actually think of uh, <laughs> somebody help him out. <laughs> a likely story. I, uh, I like the go ahead. Well, I was going to say I would help him out, but I literally can't think of one joke that made me laugh in this movie. Well, I'll say something that I liked, which was that um, they they did get certain things right about Scooby-Doo. Like, for example, whenever Shaggy and Scooby are at the bowling alley and they're out running the robots uh, and they pretend to be the yeah, bartenders. That was fun. Like that. That's classic Scooby-Doo. Um, that, that joke worked for me. We're I guess. out of calamari. <laughs> Yeah, that was that. I thought that was actually pretty funny. That were that was good. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Do you guys approve of uh, how Scooby Doo gets his name? Uh, no, uh, not really. I'm okay with it, but it's not great. I reject the movie's hypothesis. <laughs> it's it's kind of funny that the Scooby's middle name is Doobie. <laughs> right for like well, i mean uh, that's from the the theme song yeah so it's like scooby dooby doo well did doobie as like a thing for weed like did that come out of right. scooby doo or i don't know if it's like i know i did i just think it's funny that like he obviously he looked at the box and it said um scooby snacks <laughs> So do we do the whole song now? <laughs> yeah, he said the mystery word. Yeah. <laughs> it did it. I was asking all of these questions trying to get you to say the mystery word. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, why is John keep asking about the beginning of the movie? <laughs> well, I was about to ask, oh, the jokes you like, what about when Daphne tries to throw a Scooby snack. Oh, Oops, That's I said terrible. it again. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> I will say, I did like that. So what happens if I, if I say Scooby Snack while you're playing Scooby Snack song? <laughs> that, was, yeah, that, that was one of the other. Scooby Dooby Doo, where are you? We got some work to do now. The season one or two version. This is the original version. Yeah. Yeah. I was hoping this would be layered, so it like would be like versions of the song playing at different times. Oh, it's like every you keep going, going until you get to like Mr. Ink. I will say, Shaggy is saying, calling, saying that his name is Snack first. Norval. 
Yeah, that was a good joke. Let's call them snacks. There's that sound effect. I have to say, I do like that in the movie, they try to recreate the original, but I did think it was kind of awkward. Um, did you? What did you guys think of the recreation? I really liked settling. parts of it. <laughs> um, like when they would show the skull faces, like they got those right. Uh, like it, they were kind of creepy looking. Um, and I'm also just a big sucker for like when you recreate something like that. So I, I was into that. But yeah. yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, no, that reminded me of one of my other uh, the other jokes that landed for me is where the the cop is like, well, clearly since this dog has a middle name, he's got a <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of humor I think they could should have stuck to. Yeah, it's like simple, like addressing something stupid, but like not really calling, kind of calling it out, but just going along with it anyway. Yeah. Um, can we talk about the voice performances in this? Yeah, totally. Um, we kind of mentioned a few of the B ones, but yeah, what, what yeah. were some ones you wanted to bring up? Well, uh, I'm just going to have to come out and say it. I think Will Forte is pretty miscast in this role. I agree. He's I definitely love... trying to be Matthew Lillard. Yeah, Matthew Lillard I love... should have been cast. Yeah. I, yeah. I love Fred or I, I love Will Forte. I, you know, he's, he's fantastic. He's one of my favorite yeah. comedic actors. Great. Uh, he's not shaggy he's the whole time he's just kind of doing this and it it just doesn't really sound good at all it's just very distracting for me like it's not even that it's a bad performance it's just like i never am able to forget that it's will forte it's just yeah. like that's yeah will forte you, like you don't you don't hear the place. character you hear a vocal performance right that's what i mean so i don't think it's his fault because i thought he did really well in the willoughby's which is a movie i don't even like that i thought the main character in that like i thought he disappeared into that voice performance but here yeah it's really distracting yeah, I mean, I don't think he's a bad voice actor. I think he oh, has certainly not. chops. I just, yeah, sure. I think it's kind of an uphill battle at this point, especially given that Matthew Lillard has, like, vocally been like, yeah, I, I was disappointed that I wasn't asked to do this. I thought I was going to do it. So it's, like, an uphill battle at that point for, you know, Will Forte and the studio to justify this casting choice. And It's also okay. just so weird because it's not like Will Forte is, like, a name that's going to get people to watch this movie. Yeah, like, like these are anim- yeah, these are animated characters that like the characters are more interesting than the actors. So why wouldn't they just cast the original? Like, I get that with Velma, they maybe wanted to make her Latin X, but I, again, we as we said, they didn't do anything with that. So it's like, why not just cast the originals and go with it? Do what works, you know. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, I think from yeah. the voice acting to the jokes to like, I'd say ninety percent of this movie, it all just feels like pandering. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, you've kind of touched on it. The hello fellow kids. How do, how do we get kids to like this? And then how do we, but in a way where like parents will be like, oh, I remember Scooby-Doo, I'll watch it. And like, they have all these like adult jokes in there that they think are really funny, like F-bombs and like, mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't know. It's, that's teen humor probably. Like that's something that like yep. a 13 year old might find kind of funny that an adult will like roll their eyes probably. And then we have the whole extended gag with Simon Cowell. <laughs> who is like you know, like that was, it's like fine like celebrity cameos are part of scooby-doo's history that's fine yeah i'm i'm for that simon cowell though <laughs> that, yeah that was so weird i thought he was better animated in the second shrek movie <laughs> compared yeah, to yeah, i was gonna say i just kept thinking of him with that yeah although the, I, the double unmasking joke was pretty good i liked that yeah yeah that, that was um, i thought it was I, a I rip off of deadpool dastardly, like anytime that dick dastardly ripped off the disguise, like when he was the, the female cop and he rips off the 
this guy like that was that just straight up made me laugh that, that was good because like obviously he doesn't fit in that it's disguise so, it's so ridiculous and so cartoony yeah. that it works yeah i do like though they named that officer after nicole jaff the original voice of velma yes that was nice um but ab- about uh the what were we just talking about um uh simon cow yes yeah, simon cow thank you Will. um it's funny because since he has had so much work done in real life. Oh yeah, the, the, the cartoon <laughs> made his face him, like that. <laughs> it looked it looked pretty similar to what he actually looks like now, which made me laugh. Yeah. Not to disparage his looks, I'm sure he's gotten a lot of comments about already, but yeah. We we've talked a lot. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys had any more notes on like the voice cast, but uh, one wasted opportunity I thought was they had Billy West do Mutley. And my thing with that is that's kind of indicative of like all of this movie's missed potential because Billy West is like one of our best voice actors. He's fantastic. And like he should have been a much bigger part or a part with like actual lines, not just that like wheezing laugh. Like let him be Mutley. but like say some things, but yeah, yeah, I agree. Barely. Well, I mean, Billy West voiced Shaggy at one point, too. Like (laughs) it's in one of the directed DVD movies. I, I just wish, yeah, the, the, this movie had done more with, like, the real, like, voice acting legends. Um, but instead, it's like, yeah, you have bit parts. It's like Christina Hendricks gets, like, a couple of lines as that one officer. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. why? You just want, like, a name and a marquee. Like, you're not actually trying here to, you know, bring in people who are, uh, I don't know, who who are, like, being cast as, like in a way to, like, make this cartoon come to life, I guess. Especially after we saw... Of, um... Oh, go ahead. Especially after we saw Christina Hendricks do such a good voice performance last summer in Toy Story 4. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Such a good villain Mm -hmm. in that movie. Uh, But yeah, and here, uh, but we did have Jason Isaacs as Dick Dastardly. I thought he was good. Oh, he was fantastic. Yeah, I thought he he was probably my favorite voice performance just because he actually seemed to be having fun with this and doing (laughs) something with it that was, you know, intentionally very animated and fun. Everyone else just felt like, you know, poster casting, like. Like we said, you know, it's like Zach Efron's in this because it's to sell the movie or whatever. But yeah. Although, well, I agree with Chris that Zach Efron actually, you know, showed up. And I didn't say really he was bad. And... I just felt like yeah, yeah. they didn't really do much with him. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that Zach Efron did did a lot, did as much as he could with what he was given. It's right. just that the, the script didn't really service his character very well. My mm-hmm. only qualm with Dick Dastardly is I thought they, they leaned a little bit too hard trying to make him grew. And trying to make the Rotten's minions. Like, yeah, I don't know. It was just so that. shameless. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I think yeah. Jason Isaacs helps get that character to at least be his own thing. But I don't know. It kept rearing its despicable me head to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, those robots yeah. are like so, like you said, so obviously meant to be the minions. But at the same time, they're literally the only characters in this that amuse me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I watched this over Zoom with a friend, and I remember he, when they put the vacuum cleaner on the one's head, he was like, okay, so that's the one that we can recognize now, so we'll see that one help out the yeah, gang later. Exactly. Like, it's just, it's very by the books. Yeah. It's, um, a, it's, think... a, com- it's a committee movie. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And I remember whenever the mystery machine gets destroyed in the one scene, you see Fred looking at it. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see the dumb futuristic one that they revealed yeah. at the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> sure enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's even dumber than I, what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> we literally just saw that in Onward, too. So it's like. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Um, I, I really liked um, when uh, Shaggy and Scooby first meet uh, Falcon. They're holding each other and like their eyes are like. They're like huge and watery than their hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that kind of stuff was 
was really good. I mean, again, yeah. like I said earlier, I think uh, the animators really um, came to play when it came to like the, the actual foreground stuff and the stuff that you focus on. Um, but like the rest of the movie feels like it's trying, it's, it's really trying to appeal to everyone with, you know, the, like a kid is going to enjoy the animation, but they're not going to understand who blue Falcon is, why he's in the movie um, or whatever. And then, you know, they're also not going to get half the jokes. Whereas an adult is going to get some of the jokes and maybe recognize these side characters, but not really appreciate the plot because it doesn't do anything that um, speaks to the spirit of Scooby-Doo. Right, right. Uh, I forgot to mention too, I said Billy West, but also John DiMaggio has a voice role in this. Um, but it's another like bit part. He's like, I think at the very beginning, he's one of the restaurant owners. And again, yeah. it's like, it's John DiMaggio, <laughs> like one yeah, of the great, geez, one legend. of the greatest yeah. voice actors alive. And can you imagine if he had been like one of the main characters? I think that would maybe. Although I did like, uh, I thought Ken Jeong was okay. Like, I can see yeah, why he they did a good cast job him. The straight man. But then other characters like Tracy Morgan, I, I don't know what that was supposed to be as like the captain. <laughs> he obliterated the yell. Who was Tracy Morgan? He was the the Captain Harry, Caveman. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't even recognize that. <laughs> no, I yeah, think man. I think the movie. The 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 blueprint for a good animated movie based on an older children's property is probably the Captain Underpants movie. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. A, a great voice voice cast, a strong understanding of the source material, and yeah. like a story and jokes that appeal to everybody. Fantastic animation. Yep. That really was pretty honest originally. Yeah. Although the voice acting in that, I thought the only weakness was like Kevin Hart and Ed Helms doing the voices of the kids. That was really distracting. Yeah, that was, uh, Thomas Hilditch. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, thank you. But even t- I, I had a lot of trepidations about that going into that movie, but in the actual final thing, I was surprised at how okay yeah. with it I was. Right, it doesn't sink the movie by any means. I just think it's like a limitation. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's a minor thing, though, for that film, I think. But I, I do agree it's a little odd. It's a, it's a whole, like, Willoughby's thing again for me. It's like, I don't think the voice performances are bad for that, but it is weird that they're casting full-grown adults to play children, which is just a weird thing for me. But yeah, I'll yeah. take a movie like that though over Scoob any day. Yeah, uh, <laughs> this is such a mess. Like I, I appreciate they do have celebrity cameos. In this just kind of tying back to the voice things, but it's like the cameos they pick in addition to um, Simon Cowley have like Jamie Riviera. And it's just like who, who's that for? <laughs> like, I, yeah. I was like, curious about that. Just like, I was like, wait, yeah. <laughs> is this supposed to be a reference to something else? I was like, is it just like who we think it is? Yeah, it just it's like, I don't know. I just don't really get like, like I'm all for if you're going to put like random blatant celebrity cameos in it, fine. But like either make it like obvious that's for younger kids yeah, or something that connects with the material, not just like Simon Cow and Jamie Riviera. <laughs> like it just <laughs> felt like that. Who are those for? <laughs> right. Um, I also want to, I want to, Full disclosure, I, I might also be trying to like this movie and appreciate it more because I rented it yeah. for $20. Yeah. Yes. Like <laughs> no, I, spent I bought the money, it. So <laughs> I, I'm trying to justify the experience. Yeah. So it's on premium video on demand, which means that you can either rent it for $20. However, they do have an option that they didn't offer for Trolls World Tour. That was a universal movie. But Warner Brothers is at least letting you buy it for $25. Yeah. Um, so what, what I did. What did you guys do? So you all rented it or did any of you buy it? I bought it because it was a $5 difference. And I was like, maybe I want to revisit it later on. <laughs> yeah. Like whenever your, your kids do like a rewatch of you know, <laughs> and they choose sure. Scoob. Yeah. Uh, oh man, that, that's sad. <laughs> and they're like, grandpapa, do you have Scoob that we can just watch? 
<laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I rented it because uh, I, I did I did see that it was twenty five dollars to buy, and I was like, mm, an extra five dollars. I was like, no, that's weed money. Um, and I don't, <laughs> I don't not sure if I want to own this movie, uh, so I rented it for twenty dollars, which in hindsight is probably kind of stupid, but whatever. I, I follow Matt's logic. I was like, I'll just buy it. Because like, I know I'm going to have kids someday. And if I just own this, like, I'm sure like little kids will probably find this to be fun. My child also, of mine is going to watch Scoob. <laughs> <laughs> I also wanted to support uh, big studio animation because I want more of it. So, yeah, that was part of it as well. Even if it ends up giving us bad stuff like this. But yeah, <laughs> I, I get that. It's the double-edged sword. But I, I guess we can say what our official grades are for this movie since we haven't done that yet. Uh, I, you know, I, I really disliked this. Um, I gave it a, a four out of ten on the young folks um, because I do think, like, I, I was to, to borrow a phrase from Will Ashton, I was between a C and a C minus. And uh, ultimately, I'm gonna break away from Will's tradition. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a C. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bump it up just slightly because I don't know. I, I don't think it's a miserable movie and. I agree with Chris that some of the jokes are funny enough. Like, I don't think there was no point in this movie where I was like upset or frustrated or <laughs> miserable watching it. I just, you know, I just, I think it's a lot of just below average to average material. And I'm more bummed out by the missed opportunity than anything else. And I would, I would share this to kids cause I'm a bad parent or I'm going to be, um, so <laughs> I'm fine with that. But, uh, uh, we'll, 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 we'll ask you, what about you? Tell us all about your B B plus. Plus, um, yeah, I guess I'm I I'm surprisingly more negative on the film than you are, uh, just because like it's not even that I hated the movie or thought it was terrible or anything, it's just that there's really just not a lot to it. It's kind of the same issue I had with Smallfoot, uh, which is another Warner Brothers uh, animation, which I still fight you on. I I think that's a fun movie. I mean, I'll take it over this one, I guess, but I mean, I just felt like that was another film where it's like clearly this is a very talented animation studio. They make you know, like they have excellent animation. They have very talented writers involved. They have like this cheeky, self-aware tone. But it just felt like at the service of this film, it didn't really add to much. Like, yeah, some of the jokes are clever. Like you can tell smart people are writing them, but the execution didn't really allow it to be funny or the movie so busy that the joke never really breathes. So like, I don't really remember ever laughing at anything. And then like the animation style was fun, I guess, but it didn't really feel... Like I wasn't taken enough by the animation style by on its own in a way that I was with something like the PS movie or like Spider-Verse where mm-hmm. I felt like it, you know, like even if something wasn't landing, like I could still just admire the animation. And I didn't feel like the voice performances were really anything to write home about either. So it just kind of felt like a big missed opportunity in most every sense. And uh, in the end, I just felt pretty disappointed by it because, like I said, like, even though I have my qualms with Scooby-Doo, the 2002 movie, it did feel like that was at least more honorable to the property. And it felt like I had more respect for it. And even though it does have similar problems, like I do think the casting makes it work in some respects. I do think that that movie is able to be nostalgic for certain reasons. I'm sure people will be nostalgic for this film later on as well, but it just felt like to me, it just felt like a cash grab. Basically, it just felt like a, a mm-hmm. fairly generic Warner Brothers attempt to make a film franchise out of one of their most famous IPs. And for that, I had to give it a pretty low C minus. All right. Uh, Chris Sheridan. Um, you know, I, I pretty much agree with what everybody has been said, been saying so far. Um, I think it's, I, I did really enjoy the, um, some of the animation, like it, it's 
it's very sharp and it's very um, vibrant and, and goofy and the sound effects were great and a lot of the Easter eggs were really good. But this plot wise, the movie's just trying to do way too much and appeal to way too many people. And to get like we said earlier, it's 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 the it's the Justice League where it's putting the cart before the horse and trying to um, build a cinematic universe way too quickly. Um, and I think overall, I was when it, when it wasn't focused on Scooby Doo and Shaggy, it was kind of boring. And I thought all of the uh, Blue Falcon stuff was was really kind of a distraction from what could have been a, a much more meatier plot uh, in terms of developing the relationship between Scooby and Shaggy. And as a result, the way they did it, you know, with them becoming friends and then breaking off and then being reunited, none of that really landed very well in terms of making resonant um, character work. Um, so I think for me, it'd be like a C plus. Yeah. So that's like a C average so far, but let's see what Matt has to say. <laughs> Matt, Matt, how are you going to break the curve? I'm actually, unfortunately, probably not going to break it because <laughs> um, I'm pretty much agreeing with what everyone is saying. I mean, ultimately, this is not a very good Scooby-Doo movie. Um, I think it's a fine movie overall, uh, but even I wouldn't call it good. Um, I had fun with it, though, but but just it doesn't get Scooby-Doo right, as we've talked about. There's no mystery. I mean, there's one shot in this movie that's like that was kind of the right idea, but they didn't even do that right, which is whenever they do the, the riff on the chase scenes um, where it cuts to um, Scooby and Shaggy running across the screen from the monster and you see them like, you know, it's, it's the hallways, it's the parody of the hallways, but they don't even really, it's not even a hallway, you know? So, um, <laughs> but I can't grade this movie on what it's not. I have to grade it on what it is and what it is, is an ultimately pretty inoffensive movie that uh uses characters that i like occasionally well um and so for that i'm gonna be a little more optimistic and side with chris and give it a c plus all right well since will is a pretty low c minus i was a pretty low c i think we're still at around a c average uh, i think that makes yeah. sense although i want to ask would do you guys think this would have been a success if in a non-covid world if it had hit theaters like do you think this would have made a lot of money do you think this would have been a hit or do you think this would have been another just kind of ho-hum release from warner animation that's a very good question um it it it's a, it kind of depends because i think wasn't spongebob supposed to come out next week originally too so that would have for mm. memorial day weekend yeah yeah, yeah. So this would have been directly competing with Nickelodeon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think right. in the absence of any other family fair, this would have done really well. But if something else had come out, it wouldn't it wouldn't have. I, I don't think that I don't think that Scooby Doo is really in the forefront of of the minds of any generation right now, especially not kids. Yeah, it loses to SpongeBob. That's like that's what the yeah. kids like. Yeah. yeah. Because while yeah, Scooby Doo I mean, has been around longer and say it's, way more series, SpongeBob has just remained relevant for twenty years right. straight. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say that there is something, you know, you can't besmirch it being popular for fifty years, and you can't just brush that aside. Like it, it does resonate with kids to for some reason. That's or another. true, but yeah, I definitely I, don't think it's ever been as like monolithic as SpongeBob. I think SpongeBob has been sure. one of the top animated cartoons for twenty years now. Whereas I think even in its prime, I think Scooby-Doo was always like a well-liked property, but never it never was like the biggest thing ever at any time. I don't yeah. think. I don't, know, also, yeah, I don't know. People I think... forget that Scooby-Doo went away for a while um, in the late 80s and 
pretty much all most of the 90s besides the directed move directed video stuff um there were no new series being made because kids just didn't care and it wasn't until cartoon network started airing reruns of the classic stuff that it kind of caught fire again and that was when they started what's new scooby-doo yeah i I was introduced to the original cartoon because of cartoon network and like Mm -hmm. the original cartoon and then a pup named scooby-doo those were like the two things like my childhood yep. were all about with Same. Scooby-Doo, especially when they going into the live action movie. At that point, I was too old for Scooby-Doo, but because mm. it was live action and it looked a little bit edgier, I was like, oh, okay, this. <laughs> um, that's actually my last question before we finish out. Do you guys what do you, do you guys think this is not as good as the live action movies? Yeah, I don't. I think the live action movies are better. Yeah, I do, too. Yeah, I mean, well, not to tease too much, but I <laughs> watch the second one because i really have no memory of it but comparing this one to the first movie yeah i definitely think that one's better for the reasons i said before All even right. if the, the the live action ones aren't as good objectively quality wise i think they have a much better understanding yeah. of um the, the property right mm-hmm. that's, that's where it comes down to as well is that like i think they both have problems some similar some different but that does feel like those both those movies feel like scooby-doo maybe not to the full extent but i do feel they are part of the property, whereas this just feels like it's a weird, like DCEU yeah. uh, attempt in the the vein of Scooby Doo, which is just very bizarre to me. And if we may tease uh, on this week's ep- on this month's episode of It Ain't Ogre Till It's Ogre, we'll actually be directly comparing the three movies and yeah. how they all stack up as Scooby Doo movies. Will John be involved? Find out. <laughs> <laughs> what a tease! Hey guys, look over there. I see a basketball. Uh-huh. There it is. That's it. Oh, I missed you. Here you go, Chris. Thanks, man. Will, that was such a great idea. We we managed to suffer all of the atrocities of this haunted house, <laughs> find the basketball, and now we're done. And now Chris and Matt can help us get back to our own time period, finally. Yeah, far out. I think I found the issue. You had the time machine set to broken. <laughs> oh, that's common mistake. Dang it, Will. I, I eat too many snacks and then I mess up the yeah, uh, time too machine. Many, too many Scooby snacks for me, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, Chris, thank you so much for accompanying us on our excellent adventure. Uh, don't forget, listeners, to check out It Ain't Over Till It's Ogre, where you can find more of Matt, Chris, and Will talking about Scooby-Doo, but also Shrek, Cat in the Hat, and Garfield the Movie. All those past seasons are available. You can find them in the show notes. We'll see you all next week to talk about the latest mystery, the shoveling the Cinemaholics game. For now, I'm John Negroni from Internet, California. I'm Will from Internet, Pennsylvania. I'm Matt from Internet, California. And Chris is here, too. <laughs> oh, I'm here, yeah. <laughs> See you next time.